Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? Hey, it's me, Egbert. E-G-G-B-U-R-T. Check out my website at egbert.com. Now it's back to those two dudes who told me they would bring in big ratings. They better are their history. Here are Brad and John. It is bjshow.co. I have to say that very slowly, otherwise I'll screw it up. Did I get it right, John? Absolutely right. You nailed it. Okay, the initiative petition thing we talked about last break, uh, about the fact that I've started done a 180 on that, and I don't necessarily look at it as being as bad as I thought it was. Essentially, it takes the power away from the legislators. Essentially, people can rise up, and if they organize into a group, and typically it's out-of-state companies or out-of-state interests with a lot of money that come into Missouri and do this, uh, they change the Constitution. And to the point where, like, for example, I've got a thing that I have protested for years, and when I talk to any politician, they laugh at me because they don't quite they don't quite understand well they do understand what i'm saying but they think i'm full of it i have a thing called the island law you know what the island law is all about no i don't okay give you a perfect example in st charles city not in the county but in st charles city there are over a hundred unincorporated islands within the city of st charles oh yeah so in other words sometimes it's literally one house sometimes it's a street sometimes it's a vacant lot um, and for whatever reason, these were never incorporated into the city. It presents a logistical challenge because, and there was a case that was highlighted maybe five or ten years ago. There was a double murder um, in what they thought was St. Charles City, and the St. Charles City police responded, and the you know the detectives responded in the whole bit. And then someone realized that that wasn't actually in the city. The house was one of two houses that was in the county, so they had to you know change everything over. So the idea being is that, and I know this is the case in St. Peter's and Wentzville and things like that. Okay, I have become the victim of that. And How so? More than once. Well, long complicated story. Do you your buddy Rod Jetton? You know Rod Jetton, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, you know his village law thing. I do remember the village law, yeah. The village law was an interesting piece of legislation, which Rod Jetton, uh, I think, stuck into a bill, and nobody knew it was there. And essentially what it was, and Rod was doing, uh, don't get mad at me because I'll sort of maybe, you know, and I've met him several times. I don't want to sound like I'm biased against Rod. I'm actually biased for Rod. But what he did was apparently a friend of his was having some zoning issues in a county. I think this was down near the Branson area. And he wanted to do something on his property, and the county said, nope, can't do that. So they came up with this village law, which essentially stated that, and there were there were rules about it, you couldn't be within a, a mile of another city, that if you had, like, let's say you had a farm, and your, your farm was a 100-acre farm, and uh, you wanted to do something on your farm, and the county said, no, no, under the village law, you could essentially become your own village. And uh, all it took was you had to put it on the ballot, and then you had to have a vote. Well, let's take perfect example. Let's say you had a farm where you had Mr. and Mrs. Farmer and their kids, and, and let's say the kids are both over 18 years old. 
they would have gone under the village law, they would have gone to the county and say, hey, we want to become the village of Farmersville, okay? And the county would put that on the ballot. So mom and dad farmer and daughter and, and son farmer would go to the, 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 the polls. They would vote, yes, all four of the residents of Farmers Village would vote for Farmers Village. And they would essentially become a village. Well, when people found out this was in the law, the lawmakers went nuts nutbags i mean they were oh, i can't believe it. they and they were they were talking about this is going to be terrible it's going to be terrible so there were several areas around the country around the state that with this law was still intact were trying to form their own little villages my where crapville where as a matter of fact this is how crapville got started i'm down and our transmitter sits down on highway 47 in southern warren county okay the farmers there have had an ongoing fight with the city of Washington. Even though the city of Washington is on the other side of the river, they own the airport. So technically, the city of Washington is in two spots. The city of Washington is in Washington, Missouri, as we all know it, on the south side of the Missouri River. But they also have several hundred acres on the north side of the river in Warren County, which is owned by the city of Washington. And Dick Strotman had a goal for that area. He wanted to make that into the next Chesterfield. He wanted to put in recreation fields down there because, once again, when you're on the south side of the Missouri River, it's very hilly. Uh, but when you're on the okay. north side, it's flat as a board. So it's very easy to put athletic fields. You see the parallels to Chesterfield Valley? I do, yeah. Go flat ahead. as a board. You got a major highway that goes through it. In this case, it's Highway 47. Well, not necessarily a major, but you got a highway. Uh, and you've got an area that has an airport. Once again, Chesterfield Valley started with an airport. Then you put in businesses. Then you put in retail. Well, the farmers just lost their stuff over this. And they went, we don't want that because he was going to eminent domain because what he could have done was any of the property that was adjoining the airport and that was all farm property, he could eminent domain it. He could say, well, I want, I want your 30 acres. I want your 50 acres. I want 80 acres, a whole bit. So long story made short, the farmers decided to use the village law and they were successful. They're the only place in the entire state of Missouri that got successfully incorporated as a village. And wow. it's called the Village of Three Creeks. And the interesting thing is, if you go to Washington, Missouri, and you talk to the typical person that's, you know, that's been fourth or fifth generation, or sixth or ninth or 20th generation Washingtonian, if you say, when you cross the Missouri River, when you go north on Washington, or 47 out of Washington, and you cross the river, where are you? And most people go, well, you're in Warren County. No, no, no. What city are you in? They'll go, what city am I in? I'm in Warren County. No, no. There's a city over there. What city is that? Nobody knows about it because they don't put up any signs. They don't have a police department. They don't have, ha have anything. Matter of fact, if you go, and right now, if you don't believe me on this, if you go to Wikipedia and you go into, if you just go into Village of Three Creeks, I think the current population of the Village of Three Creeks is five people. And there are a, there's one or two homes that live, that you know, are down on the valley there. And part of the, and the interesting part of it is, Almost all the, the village of Three Creeks is in the valley, except for one little finger, which goes up on Highway 94, and interestingly enough, includes one house on Highway 94, which is on the bluffs. And you know who lives in that house? Who's that? The mayor of Village of uh, Three Creeks. Uh, by the way, the Three Creeks, according to Wikipedia, 
has a population of four. Four. Oh, they've lost. Now, wait a minute. As of as of the 2010 census, its population has risen to six. Yes. Now, you were making a point, Brad, about the initiative petition process. I got you distracted about Rod Jetton and the village. Well, no, no, no. But but here's here's the interesting part of it was that that if that would have been an initiative petition, and and the interesting part, there's a whole crazy weird story about this because this law only was on the books for a short period of time because I, I can't remember who was the governor. Would it have been would it have been Nixon at the time? I can't remember. Uh, in in '09, it would have been Nixon. Yeah, Nixon won in the '08 election. Okay, so they were so freaked out about this that the residents of the village of Three Creeks actually voted early because they were afraid that the governor was going to rescind this law. Uh, before the election, so the election would have been the 2008 election. So they they yeah. They were... So and, and sorry to interrupt, but, but Blunt would have still been governor then in 08. And okay. Then, so the election for governor was in 08. Right. So he 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 pulled it out, but after the election. So that's the only place in the entire state of Missouri. And see, to me, I'm going like, okay, once again, here you go. You got the example of, let's go back in our history, okay. All the little places that, you know, around the St. Louis area, except for the city of St. Louis, take every little muni you want to talk about. St. Louis County, you know, Ladue, Overland, you know, Sunset Hills. Once upon a time, there was a little places in the middle of nowhere that decided, eh, we're going to incorporate. Okay, we're going to become our own little city, right? And they could do that. It's almost impossible to do that now because of the fact that, that the government doesn't want to have people who are in control of their own little destiny. Now, we all talk about the fact from time to time there's a new story in the St. Louis area about a city that disincorporates in St. Louis County. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. always a story that so-and-so is disincorporated. I think there was a place down in South County called Landshire, uh, you know, that disincorporated a few yeah, years back. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And, and the idea being is, as a small muni, you have responsibilities. You have to have fire protection, which means you have to, you know, some kind of an agreement with the fire protection district, or you have to provide your own fire protection. You have to have police protection. You have to have, and matter of fact, there's still quirky things. Do you know to this day that there's a very interesting thing with Kirkwood as far as utilities? Do you know this about Kirkwood? No, I don't know that. Kirkwood has its own electricity. Where do they, who do they get it from? Well, interestingly enough, a long time ago, and this is a carryover from way, 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 way back when, a long time ago, they used to have their own electric generation plant in Kirkwood. No way. Yes. Now they get it from like the RECs. They contract with some of these uh, rural electric companies and they provide the electricity for, for Kirkwood. So if you are a Kirkwood resident, you pay your electric bill to the city of Kirkwood. You have Kirkwood power. Technically, you don't. And you go look at some of these old cities, like, for example, Washington, downtown Washington on Front Street, there's a place called the Tibby, T-I-B-B-E, Tibby Power Plant, where that used to be. You get got your electricity from. They generated the electricity for a small port, portion of Washington. Very common all over the country. It used to be you go to some of these big cities and there was this guy over here had a power plant, this guy over here had a power plant, that kind of stuff. Then what happened was the big boys like the Amarins of the world came in and then bought all these guys out and consolidated. It's the same thing happened in cable TV. If you remember the history of cable TV, cable TV came in the St. Louis area. You had Continental, you had Warner, you had all these different companies. And then one by one, they consolidated into what ultimately became Charter and then up obviously Spectrum. And once again, it was because each little city wanted to have their own little fiefdom as far as their yeah, their yeah, that makes sense their uh, their their you know their 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 uh, cable TV. So anyway, the idea being is that the man wants to control us. The man won't let us have our own little little town. 
But wouldn't I mean if you're a state legislator, wouldn't you consider whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, wouldn't you consider the man to be the federal government? So at every level, and if you're the federal government, wouldn't you say that the man is the United Nations? Well, but you're exactly right. It's all relative. If yeah. if you're like if you're like St. Charles City, and the county says, "Hey, city, you can't do that," then you go, "Well, who are you? Well, we're the yeah. county." <laughs> then Steve Elman <laughs> is the man. Right, right. And then and then Governor Parson says, "Hey, Steve Elman." We heard what you're up to. You can't do that. Yeah, knock it off, pal. <laughs> right. And then one day Governor Parson wakes up and some guy from D.C. shows up at his doorstep and says, hey, Governor Parson, you can't do that. That's right. Some pointy-head bureaucrat <laughs> right. with a so Fed it, jacket on comes it, in and says that. It's just layer upon layer upon layer, right? I it mean, is. But then, and then ultimately in the lower level, which is funny because you watch some of these videos now on YouTube. And once again, I'm a YouTube freak. I watch all this crazy stuff. The HOA videos. Now, I don't know if these are fake or not. Have you seen some of these HOA videos? I haven't seen them, no. Are oh they, are they conflicts between HOA people and well, normal human beings? Once again, I don't know if these are fake or not. But they're typically doorbell videos where the video is literally a ring doorbell. And someone walks up to the door and they and they start talking to the doorbell. Hi, I'm Ginny, and I'm from the HOA. And like one's really funny. And like I said, if this is if this is fake, it's funny. If this is real, it's ten times funnier because <laughs> she's complaining about this person gets too many packages on their door delivered by you know uh, Amazon UPS and FedEx Amazon and UPS, and that the HOA says you can only have two packages on your door at one on your on your front porch at any point in time, and and her husband's going to come by and he's going to collect the fine, and I'm going like okay, and was, oh good grief, and yeah, it, if that's real, that's incredible. Well, once again, you watch these and you go like okay, if this is real. This is really sad. You know, when, if, is... They, if they really want to micromanage everything, they should just get elected to the state legislature. Well, they should run for the legislature like everybody else. But see, don't you find it fascinating that, that we are a country that came from, for the most part, all us white European you know, descendants, although you're not totally white. You're what, Bangladeshi? What 1% is your... Senegalese, yes. <laughs> Senegalese, okay. <laughs> Acknowledge it, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Acknowledge my <laughs> genetic superiority here hey, for being well, more diverse. Well, my grandfather was an illegal immigrant, so... so <laughs> that's true, that's let's, true. Let's, I'll acknowledge that as well, too. My father, when he found this out, my father all of a sudden realized he was first-generation American, and on my father's side, I'm a second-generation American. But your point is that we all came here from Europe up and why well because of the fact that we didn't like to have be told what to do we didn't That's like right. but, but but hold on i gotta interrupt you here you're making a huge assumption here that people walking down the street know why the united states was formed and know why know why people well, they came don't. here and know the concept of freedom and liberty well it, it was just like yesterday i heard some guy talking about the fact that that you can graduate from harvard and you can have, and the only class you can have in constitutional law was some crazy weird class that just barely touched on constitutional law. And I'm thinking to myself, how do we not teach how we got to where we're at? And if you well, are- Well, because you can't learn that stuff without knowing everyone's pronouns, Brad. I guess. And if you don't know what to properly call Harriet Tubman or the student sitting next to you, like you gotta start with the foundational building blocks, Brad. Well, but but once again, I'll go back to what I was saying before, and let me amplify on this. We came to this country 
because of the fact that we didn't like to be told what religion to practice. And that is an English thing because England had the Church of England. And if you didn't belong to the Church of England, you were forced to belong to the Church of England. Yep. There was no religious choice, okay? You had the situations where in, in, in the, the British government could say, hey, one day you get a knock on your door and here's you know Captain so-and-so of the British Army. He says, hey, uh, we're in the area and we need a place for 10 of our soldiers to stay. So they're staying with you. You know, so mm-hmm. you, you were, you know, and once again, you will quarter them, you were quarter them. Okay. All these things that we were, that, that we didn't like about the English system, the, the, essentially the revolutionaries or the constitutionalists, whatever you want to call them, the founding fathers, whatever, you know, I, and even to the point where I've heard you're not supposed to use that term anymore. If you heard this, what foreigners founding fathers, what, is that because it's patriarchal? Well, it's it's first off you're not supposed to use that's part of this deal with the the secretary of state's office you're not supposed to use mother father sister brother oh, yeah, you yeah. know that kind of crazy stuff founding meaning that they didn't really found our country it goes back to 1619 which is the 1619 project oh so, yes so great points right so the founding fathers by by, <laughs> by the that term there's two words in there that you hear it's a two word term and both words are bad so yeah. in other words the idea being we came to this country for freedom but yet we don't have any freedom anymore because this is this is the this is the basis of libertarianism the basis is that we've let this slow incremental creep and it's even worse when you get to places like Massachusetts, when you get to to uh, you know California. Matter of fact, there was an article just yesterday that I believe next month the Remington Gun Factory will shut down in this small town in New York, New York State. And I the, saw that yesterday and thought of you brought that up yesterday on the show, Brad. Right. And it's been there. This plan has been there for over 200 years. And they, the article talked about there's one family. There's a husband, husband and wife that work there. Their sons and daughters work there. Their, you know, their, their in-laws, you know, their, their sons and, and, and daughter-in-laws work there. Uh, his, you know, the, the old man who's now in his 60s, his, his father worked there. His grandfather worked there. And all of a sudden it's gone. Why? Because what? they've made it so tough for these companies that produce guns that they've moved. Yeah. Smith & Wesson moved down to Tennessee. Um, uh, Remington moved to uh, uh, Georgia. And once again, if you, there was, there was a matter of fact, it hasn't been that long ago. I think it was only three or four months ago. They had a big grand opening party at the new Smith and Wesson, Wesson plant down in Tennessee. And you could go down there and you could tour the place and, you know, and, and the governor was there and, and the same thing in Georgia, you know, the yep. Georgia government. Some is like, states are open for business. You're right. Do you know for a while we had Smith and Wesson in Columbia, Missouri? Did you know this? I did not know that. No. Yeah, they had. I think they had a distribution uh, plant there, and they 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 had it for a while. And I believe when when they decided to uh, uh, consolidate everything down in Tennessee, they 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 shut it down. I don't think it's there anymore. But once again, it's to the point where you see. Here's the crazy thing for me: you can have legally manufactured products like guns, and you have states that want to kick them out. But yet you can have now we can have illegal uh, products, a.k.a. marijuana, as far as the federal government's concerned. And that's OK to produce in a state like Missouri. But, you know, Brad, because people need it and they need it for mental health. <laughs> and also we should we should also point out that if if the good Lord, a.k.a. Bernie Sanders has his way, then we will have a little bit more clear warning labels on food. <laughs> can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I don't know why every gun doesn't have to have a big 
uh, four inch by four inch warning label on it, Brad, that says that this thing might shoot projectiles, which could be detrimental to your health. John, let's pick up on what you just talked about, because once again, I read that yesterday. I thought to myself, oh, my God. I mean, this is like ridiculous. We need government telling us what to do, Brad. (laughs) Government should be our daddy. Well, that's the problem. The problem is that government shouldn't be a da- our daddy or our mom. You, John, you can't say you, you can't say that it should be our daddy. That's not you can't do that anymore. You can't say things. Like that. <laughs> That's right. right. They, with the government should not be our founding fathers. You can't they say that. Be either. Our founding humans. You see, I get. I've got one. When the whole thing started, I get people who got mad at me because I called myself a non-birthing person. You know. <laughs> You know, you're a non-uterus haver. That's right. The, the, the uterus haver thing is is a real thing. I'm sure you've seen that before. Yeah. God, it just goes so weird. Okay. Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling: A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it?